me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark, Mark Hershaw. Hershaw. Mark Hershaw. Mark Hershaw. Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host and master of ceremonies for Epi 92 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. This show is a veritable pastiche of comedy podcasts from all over the interwebs as each week, myself and our esteemed associate producer, Tyson Saner, get out there and harvest clips from shows both far and wide. Now, sometimes comedy podcasters themselves even send along clips from their shows, which they are always welcome to do. After all, who knows their shows better than they themselves? In this show, Epi 92, we've got not only a solid handful or so of clips, but also an interview with three guys who are behind a show some Succotashians will have heard me mention before on this show. Their show is a live comedy show with a whole new format that's been running in San Francisco for the past year and a half. It's called Speechless. I've been a little bit of a part of it, doing some of the tech work and helping uh, iron out a few ideas, but it's really now beginning to get some notice and it's also starting to get out beyond the Bay Area. In fact, coming up on August 25th, Speechless will make its debut in New York City. Very exciting stuff, and later on in the show, I will have my interview with Sammy Wegent, who was our guest way back in Epi 35, along with Scott Lifton and Anthony Veneziali. Uh, a lot of shows that I had researched before had been kind of poking fun at the TED Talk-type format, but they were all scripted, and they were all really great satires of that type of presentation, but I thought that there was uh, something to the idea of people improvising presentations they had never seen before. I thought, one, it was a great way to get a lot of content out of, you know, not a lot of rehearsal and writing, clearly, because it's improvised. And, and it would also be a great format to pit people against each other from both sides of the fence. I thought what what I really wanted to see more than anything was, can a comedian pretend to sound like a person who works at a, you know, a company and do kind of a you know quarterly report of some big company they've never heard of and can a person who works at a company like that actually entertain a crowd for five or ten minutes we'll be catching up with those three fellas in just a bit but we've got a lot of show between now and then besides the clips we've got a couple of our burst odor segments our tweet sack the 10 most active shows on stitcher's top 100 comedy podcast list a henderson's pants commercial and this special announcement from a popular podcast that's finally coming back for its fourth season with a new cast member. It's coming. Your mother got out of her whalebone cage. For you. Because we're going to use that mouth of yours as a precious mouth. And yours. You should really see Spider-Man too. September 1st. Right to the stones. The year of our Lord. 2000. 14. Super Ego Season 4. I'm a woman. It'll blow the balls of your eyes off. You'll wish you didn't have teeth so you could gum one for granny. It'll make you wish your jawline was back. You'll swear that you never loved again. 
Super Ego Season 4 with no less guests than Thomas Lennon, Colin Hanks, Andy Daly, and Nico Case. And that's just for starters. Wait, are we forgetting a guest? Do you mean Paul F. Tompkins? No, it couldn't be him. Why? Because he's now an official member of Super Ego. That's right! Paul F. Tompkins joins us as a regular doctor of the Super Ego Clinic for analytical science. Shut your mouth. I will not. Then I'll do it for you. It's true. I am Super Ego. Season 4. It'll blow your bonobos off. September 1st, 2010 plus 4. The year of our Lord. Welcome, everyone. If the parents would step forward with the infant, and uh, we will uh, begin the baptism. My name is Iron Climbing, don't you see? Samuelson, come in. I am the Jesus of Nazareth. I'm osteobicurious. Leo Ruskovar here, first grade strength. My teeth are burning. Let me show you how big my stink is and my Chrysler set top. No, that's not it. Look, I, know, I realize everybody wants to get out of here. The uh, big season finale of the Pimpo Cream infomercial. We'll see you in about 10, 15 minutes here. Now that is exciting. I love those Super Ego guys. We got to talk to them after the Sketch Fest in San Francisco, you re may remember, year before last, as our special guests on Epi 50. It would be great to catch up with them again, especially if we can get Paul F. to join in the chat this time. This week for both This Week in Comedy Podcasts and The Huffington Post, I reviewed the latest epi of Harmontown with Dan Harmon from Community and Rick and Morty. He had Dana Carvey on as his special guest, and since we've had Dana on here a few times, I thought it might be fun to give a listen to how he comes across elsewhere. Here's a smidge. I was in sophomore year. I remember I could tell you the color of the walls. I could tell you what was on the, the jock straps on the floor. <laughs> when I gained respect from the guys that would have otherwise been beating me up uh, because I did my air, huge air quotes, my impression of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, Jimmy Stewart! I thought you were going because for I had Bush. watched Let SNL me hear that. And, and you had done your as I, I, I and then the jocks would go like, "Hey, Harmon, do do Jimmy Stewart." They don't know who the <laughs> fuck Jimmy Stewart is. Neither did I. <laughs> right. I knew that you. But you have so, seen It's a Wonderful Life, so, right? Like, no, not no. Really. Okay, absolutely so not. So can we hear your version? So I would go, "Oh, also, I can't get my locker open." Are <laughs> you New York? I worked that thing for 20 years. There's nothing funnier and a visceral comic sense than Jimmy Stewart swearing. So my first bit ever in the 70s in college, I, you know, doing stand-up in these shitbox clubs, something familiar. Anyway, I, uh, I'm doing William Shatner. Anyway, it was like Jimmy Stewart as a waiter. Be like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so do you know what you want to order? <laughs> Because you want to go slow and kind of, yeah, so, so, you, so, so you don't know what you want to order. Yeah, so you're, you're going you're gonna to make me wait. Yeah. Well, well, fuck you. 
it's always funny, right? <laughs> it's only funny when you do it. And I, I mean, I, I, well, you did a million of those things, and like we fucking stood on your shoulders. I would go to high school every day, and I would be the funny guy in high school because I did impressions of your impressions. Uh, well, I, I copied Jimmy Carter from Dan Aykroyd. I used to record it on the TV and stuff. But yeah. you know, because a lot of times I didn't. What have... was your relationship with SNL when you were uh, like? How old were you? Well, I in... was. 1975 was that when you SNL didn't know basis but I was uh, <laughs> don't no. ask don't tell but. why is this white <laughs> I need some pepper <laughs> um, no I was 20 <laughs> I was 21 22 23 24 whatever and it was this new show it was a variety it was show a for new, hippies and they were badass pirates to me you know John Belushi and Bill Murray and those guys uh, they would beat you up or make you laugh you know so I was completely in awe of the show, and I auditioned for it three times for you guys out there and women who were trying to get on the show. Meaning that two times you went out there to New York, you stood on a stage in front of, no. and I've talked to people, no? No, mine was one of the worst ever. Get this, okay? The Comedy Store. Saturday Night Live people are out there. It's like 84, two years before I got the show. One comic after another, no MC, just and now somebody. So at midnight, this comedian named Sam Kennison goes up. In his prime, who I thought was maybe the best stand-up ever, arguably the best stand-up ever, destroys, dismantles, levitates the room. I'm off the side, and now it's Dana Flunkham with somebody, you know. <laughs> I go up, I'm going, isn't that special? Then that dead <laughs> silence. <laughs> I'll never be on Saturday Night Live. I'm think. an asshole. You were just, just going around back oh, yeah. then. Isn't that special? I had well, five minutes. <laughs> you can track that episode and information on the new Harmontown documentary that's just beginning to show up places at harmontown.com. Before I take another step, I wanted to be sure to give a shout out to Andrew Johnstone of the Podcast Squared podcast. Andrew was our guest back in Epi 74, and his show is currently being retooled, reworked, and remodeled. Great show, but Andrew's told me that it's going to be more of a straight-up NPR style when it returns. He was kind enough to kick in uh, to our donate button. That's right. He, he actually... Press the donate button on psychotashshow.com. I thought I saw a fingerprint on there. Uh, that was this past week, and he tossed some cash our way. So thanks, Andrew, and we will clip your revamped show as soon as you're back up. Holy cow. I just got off to the races so fast with this episode. I almost forgot to mention the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour with our friends Dean Haglin and Phil Larness. That, that ain't right. After all, they mentioned us. Exactly. Um, so I'm glad well, that she's back. Love that. Love that there's a new website, nickyfick.com, just as I have a new website selling all my artwork. Oh, tell De me about that. DeanHaglin.com. I put up new pieces. Uh, it's supposed to go every week. How'd you come up with the name of that website? Well, they're pretty cool. And then there's also my, uh, my Broadway walking tour. There's also a little link on there. On there. It links to everything. It it's, a, it's, a, a magical it's a portal. Link. It's, a, it's a portal to all things Dean Haglin. Except I haven't got it to Succotash yet. That'll be next. <laughs> link to Succotash. Dean Haglund's splash page is just a link to Succotash. <laughs> and then down at the bottom, enter here. Enter here. Please come and see everything else that I'm painting. You can catch up with the latest that Chill Pack has to offer over at their home site at chillpackhollywood.com or at Blogcast Radio. Now let's do this thingy. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. 
You know, normally when I look at the top 100 comedy podcasts on Stitcher, I don't even glance at the top 10 anymore because it never seems to change. But this past week, it looks like some shifting has been going on. There's even a show up there I have never heard of. And normally the moves are pretty meek. Get a load of the swing numbers this week. At number seven, that's right, number seven, Fernando and Greg's daily podcast is up 16 places, so they've been quietly crawling up the charts. At 27, Smodcast Edumacation is up 25 places. At 37, Friday Night Comedy from BBC Radio 4 has dropped 34 places. At 57, About Last Night Podcast dropped 47 places. At 62, This Week in Blackness Radio up 39 places. At 65, the Dead Authors Podcast is up 48 places. At 69, Voss and Bonnie's My Wife Hates Me has gained 29 places. At 83, the podcast Wits has dropped 67 places. At 98, Kamal Nanjiani's uh, The X-Files Files we've featured here before, I reviewed last week for Huffington Post. They, are, uh, they jumped 60 points to get into the top 100 for the very first time since that podcast started. Congratulations. And at 100, Who's Paying Attention? Up 99 points to get back in to the top 100. There was a lot of action in that top 100 list this week. Those were just the top movers, but there's a lot of stuff moving around in there. Hop over to Stitcher.com and you can check those numbers out for yourself. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Our chat with the brains behind the Speechless show is coming up later in Succotash. Before then, though, we have got to get us to some clips. I'm going to start with a podcast that's not a comedy podcast per se. A little different for this show. The host is not a comedian, and the subject matter, although some of it does venture into the comedy arena, is also not really a comedy. I mean, it's not really about comedy. Nonetheless, the Attaboy Clarence podcast, great title, by the way. Can you guess where it's from? It's a funny offering as served up by the host, Adam Roche which might be Adam Roche. I'm not exactly sure. Sorry, Adam. The focus is classic movies and old-time radio shows, which, for my money, is the closest thing there's ever been, historically speaking, to modern-day podcasts. This clip is actually the opening to the show from recent episode 17, harvested by our associate producer, Tyson Saner, but recommended to us by both at good underscore podcasts and Megan M., also known as at podcast whore. So thank you for the recommendation. Uh, this is this is the whole intro to the show. So kind of an interesting way to go. See what you think of this. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. God, I missed you all. You're all so attractive and happy. You looked your smiling faces all bathed in that amber, golden, glowing... So, I've been off writing and recording episode 16, Hunting Witches with Walt Disney, which is out now, in case you missed it. Go and grab it before shady government officials tap its phone and then snatch it while it's out buying milk and beat it to a pulp and dispose of it in an acid bath. And this is becoming more disturbing. Welcome back to you all. It's wonderful to be back in your remarkably clean and comfortable ears. Forget your Ariana Grands and your Miley Cyruses. Why the hell wasn't this song ever top of the hit parade? Fry with cake improvers. Fry with cake improvers. Spry means higher, richer, lighter, finer textured cake. Spry means easy, sure success. 
success with every cake you bake. Spry with Cake Improver. Spry with Cake Improver. I guarantee you that the man who wrote that song never had sex again. What time is it? It's summer money time. Yes, it's summer money time. Come to beneficial now. It's summer money time. Right now, it's summer money time at Beneficial Finance Company. Get the cash you want for a wonderful vacation, to clean up leftover bills, or for any good reason. You'll find the service just a little faster, just a little friendlier. And you get this beneficial extra, your own international credit card. Good for cash wherever you go. Cash, just say the word, you're the boss. Thanks, I like that. A beneficial. Okay. Where it's summer money time. Okay, good to cash. know. Ah, oh, you save every one of them. Cash. Just say the word, you're the boss. I'm afraid to say that. I've been official. Okay. So I've got lots Cash. of... Lots Just of... Just say the word, you're the boss. So I've got I've been official. I've got a fair bit of admin today because obviously I've been away for a while and this is the first regular episode for some time. First things first, since the last regular episode all those weeks ago, Ben from the JT Movie Podcast has been told that he has rather a nasty illness and he's been into hospital to have an operation and I'm glad to say has made a recovery. But here's the thing, he never missed a beat. His podcast went out week after week from his sick bed. He valiantly continued to review movies so he needs needs serious applause as well as some flowers and some grapes and a haircut man listening to that show really brought back great memories for me when i was in junior high school that seventh and eighth grade here in california at the time i started listening to ksfo radio in san francisco the gene nelson show to be exact and he used to play old radio shows between 10 and 11 o'clock at night I remember I used to listen to an old transistor radio I had underneath my pillow every night so my parents couldn't hear it. And then he would also play comedy records between 11 and midnight. So two hours of great entertainment. I got to love all those old radio shows and comedy. So I guess it's no coincidence that uh, years later I ended up as Gene's producer at KSFO when he had become the morning drive guy. That's also where I met Succotash's engineer and producer Joe Polino, by the way. Now, if you're into discovering fun old radio shows and black and white movies or avoiding some stinkers, Adam does a great job laying them out for you and somehow, even 70 or more years after they came out, avoiding the spoilers. Find that PCAST at attaboyclarence.com. I'm Dylan Brody. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Do something else. Where are my manners? I told you that we had two bursts of durst segments this episode, and I meant to play one up top. Let's do it now. Our correspondent, political and cultural comedian Will Durst, talks about the burners being turned up under the upcoming 2016 presidential election. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the 2016 presidential sweepstakes, which are heating up like an egg frying on a chrome bumper in a Death Valley parking lot at high noon in August. The usual suspects on the Republican side are already spending enough time in Iowa and New Hampshire to qualify as part-time mosquito repellent reps. And if they aren't, they should be, as they're going to need all the money they can get. 
A feud between Rick Perry and Rand Paul has ramped up the DEFCON 4 levels, with both belligerents spitting like rudely awakened cobras, which has led party moderates to call for Jeb Bush to run. But first he has to ask his mom. If he were elected, that would make the last five presidents Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Bush. Like a club sandwich, with the Bushes as the white bread. And how apropos is that? This family is whiter than Justin Bieber's Nova Scotia fan club, like cauliflower and mashed potatoes on a paper plate with a side of leeks white. Some folks are trying to run Romney up the flagpole to see if anybody salutes, but he claims not to have much interest, which pretty much describes his last campaign. On the other side, to call Hillary Clinton a prohibitive favorite is like implying that Sharpay puppies might be cute. Her new book, Hard Choices, which admittedly sounds more like Bill's handiwork, ends with, The time for another hard choice will come soon enough. Geez, I wonder what that could be. Picking a name for the grandchild? The biggest problem on the Democratic side is a lack of Hillary alternatives. Even LeBron James has a backup. What if she has to go on the DL? Carl Rove claims her fall a couple of years ago caused brain damage. And the guy who escorted W into the Oval Office should be familiar with the symptoms. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. We will have a second burst of Durst at the end of the show. You can find more of him at willdurst.com. He is also one-third of the focus of a new documentary coming out soon called Three Still Standing, which I have mentioned in this space before. I hope to not only have Will on soon to talk about it, but the movie makers as well. I was not a fan or even a viewer of the Jersey Shore when it was taking TV by storm for the brief period it did. I'm really not a fan of reality TV at all, actually, mostly because I write for TV, and why would I be rooting for content that gives me less of a chance of writing than I already fight against? Anyway, Jersey Shore, not a fan. Not really sure who Snooki is, <laughs> nor is she, apparently. She has a podcast now, of course, so you know that podcasting is beginning to hit the mainstream, and even she can't decide whether to call it the Snooki podcast or the Naturally Nicole podcast, because... I guess Nicole Polizzi is her real name. Proving anyone can do this, here's Snooky. Or Nicole. Or whatever. Podcast One presents Naturally Nicole. Naturally Nicole. With Nicole Snooky Polizzi. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Naturally Nicole. I am so excited for this podcast show because I've always wanted my own show. So, woohoo! But um, I want you guys to get to know Nicole. So there you go. Naturally, Nicole, welcome to my show. Um, you guys may know me from Jersey Shore, MTV's, uh, you know, big reality show. And now I do Snooki and Wow. But um, the world knows me as Snooki. And I feel like ever since I had my son and, you know, basically becoming an adult and growing up, I feel like I'm more of Nicole. That's who my true self is. I feel like Snooki is more of like, I wouldn't say a character I was playing, but it was more my party girl side. That was my party nickname, and I don't party anymore. I change diapers. I wake up at 7 in the morning. I go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. I am a full-blown mother, and I love it, but I'm not Snooki as a mother. I'm Nicole as a mother. So with this show, you're going to get to know me as mom. I'm a cool mom. You know, I'm still funny. I'm still a dumbass. But 
you know, my life has changed drastically. So, um, you know, I just wanted to start out this podcast. If you don't know me, um, you know, I was on Jersey Shore. Crazy, crazy, crazy show. Um, basically, I was living with roomies, and we were partying, and that's all we were doing. Partying, hooking up, going crazy. You know, it was basically our college years that got taped for the whole world to see. So, screw me, because now my son's going to see that when he's, you know, that age where he wants to go out and party, and he's like, well, Mom, you did it, too. So, you know, I'll deal with that when that happens. But, um... You know, I was basically a party girl. I just wanted to go out, have a good time, um, ate everything. <laughs> you know, I was I was a party slob. And um, I don't regret anything. Well, I do regret some things, obviously. But I don't regret who I was because I feel like that was just a growing experience of who I am today. So, you know, everybody goes to that party stage. It's just not taped for the whole world to see. So, um, Jersey Shore was amazing. I still talk to my roomies to this day. We're family. Um, you know, they're coming to my wedding, which I'm so excited for. Um, you know, but my life has changed. Um, and I explain that a lot in my new book that just came out, Baby Bumps. I don't know if you guys heard of it or you read of it. Um, but, you know, Baby Bumps is basically... My journey of becoming a mother from, you know, partying all the time and going crazy, going to Vegas, you know, basically being a party girl, full-time party girl, to being a full-time mom and just how it changed my life and how I'm just a better person for it. So um, Baby Bumps explains it all. Um, you know, I've done a few book signings. My fans are amazing. I love you guys. One shout-out to the fans. You guys are what keep... What keeps me going, I feel, especially, you know, with my brands and my stuff like that. You guys are the reason why my brand is so successful right now. So I love you. Um, but most of all, I love the support that you give me because obviously, you know, not a lot of people do support me. And, um, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there and, you know, it is what it is. That's just how our society works. But, um, for the people who do support me and stick up for me, I appreciate you times a million, and I love you so much. Um, so with this show, you know, I'm going to have um, guests come on, hopefully some celeb guests, you know, if I could bribe them to come on. Um, we're going to do some gossip, celebrity gossip with Joey. I'm so excited. Gay Joey, if you guys watch Snooki and JWoww, he's hysterical. He is my squirrel friend, and I love him. Um, and also I would love to do, um, you know, call-ins from you guys. Definitely want to talk to the fans, talk to you, answer your questions, do anything that you want me to do. I am down, but, um, I would love to talk about fitness, um, my fitness journey, you know, from losing 50 pounds after my first baby to getting healthy and, um, you know, eating right and going to the gym all the time. I love working out. Um, and you know, just stuff that's coming up with me, with my brand and all my new products, working on my clothing line right now. So this is a really, 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 really good platform for me to talk to you guys. So I'm really, really excited. Naturally, Nicole, here it is. Thank you for tuning in. You like it? Well, you can go get yourself some more at the home site, podcastone.com slash naturally dash Nicole. Or I guess you could just put Snooky Podcast in, uh, Google and find it that way or come to succotashshow.com and click on the title for her show in our blog and it will take you right to the site. How about that? We, we even take care of that for you. That's how much we love you. 
Right about now, you're probably asking yourself, Self, what can I do to help Mark keep this Succotash thing going? 92 episodes plus a few half-isodes, and all for free? How does that work? He's got an engineer, a studio, equipment, Tyson Saner, merch, free Succotash buttons and zipper pulls. He must need some help paying for all that stuff. Well, Selfie, you can help us offset the many expenses, real and imagined, that we have here, and in several different ways. First and probably easiest is by visiting the home site at SuccotashShow.com and simply clicking on the Amazon banner at the top of the page whenever you're in a mood to go shopping at the world's largest everything store, Amazon.com. By you doing that, we get a little bit of whatever you spend over there kicked back our way. Or you can dive a little deeper into those pants pockets, hopefully those are Henderson's pants pockets, and click on the donate button on our home site. Doing that will also get you a mention on this very show. Well, not this episode, obviously, but a future one. Lastly, you can visit the Succotashery, where all of our merchandise is housed, and pick yourself out something pretty. That link is also up at SuccotashShow.com. Thanks for helping out. Tommy and Justin are a couple of Canadian lads who host the Grumpy Young Men podcast, and they grouse about everyday topics like movies, technology, business, and just life in general. Like most of the podcasts featuring guys sitting around and chatting about stuff, they're about as well-informed as anyone else who gets their news from Twitter, Google, and web chatter in general. Speaking of movies, I watched Elysium. Have you seen that? With With, um, Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. The movie that everyone's like, it's liberal propaganda. It pretty much is. Yeah. But it was actually a pretty good movie. People were knocking it, but I watched it, and it was good. Don't worry about it squeaking. Oh, no, my back. Oh, well, sit back. No, I'm good. I'm okay. good. Okay. But I watched it. I could go for another hour. <laughs> I watched it, and I liked it. It was good. It was a cool story. It was, yeah, I can see where people were coming off that it was liberal. It was very... I, uh, talking about the end of days and how the world's changing as well. Well, if anything, it would be more conservative, almost. Wait, are the conservatives against immigrants? You know, it really depends these days. Like, there's so many... Like, they're having an immigration crisis in the U.S. Oh, like, yeah. they want to completely close down the borders. Really? I don't know what is going on down there. And by down there, I'm not indicating whether we're Canadian or not. <laughs> we are Canadian. Well, we might as well just get Let's it face there. facts. We're Canadians, and you guys are probably going to hate some of the shit we say. That's why this whole, like, this weather thing bugs the shit out of us. Because our winters are, like, minus 30 Celsius. And our uh, summers are plus 30 and above, which, like, we're getting into the hundreds. Like, we can't get Canada deal. has hot flashes. It's, it's, it's menopause, man. Like, literally, we'll have one day when it's 32 degrees out, and the next day we'll be 14 degrees. Yeah. So, like, the span of temperature in this particular geography, like, you get up north, it's not as big a thing, but, like, because we have... It's more the, consistent. We have the lake effect here. Oh, Humidity yeah. is just... Well, we got all the Great Lakes around We us. get so much goddamn snow, and then in the summer, it's just water just soaking through your skin and But it's air. even, like, because... Um, I remember a girl I work with, she's the BC, and she told me that out in BC, I don't know if this is true. Well, she lived out there, so it's probably true. Hmm. They don't have screens on their windows. Because mosquitoes are just Don't not exist a out there. Yeah. Black flies aren't out there, and that blew my fucking mind. <laughs> because you, oh, like. I still wouldn't do that because I'd be the kind of like, like they're going to have a fucking, fucking rac- bear's going to open my window. <laughs> Raccoons. Yeah. Because, you know, a screen's going to yeah. stop a fucking bear. <laughs> well, but the bear will see the screen and be like, nah, I'm going to go to the next house. Where in BC? Why do you have screens in your windows? Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're Kevlar screens. 
Um, but like you, I guarantee you, if you brought somebody, like, do you think places like Texas and Arizona would have mosquitoes and stuff? Or is it because it's the humidity that mosquitoes like, right? And black yeah, flies, I think right? so. Like, they'd be more of an issue on the coast. Anyways, if you, brought, I imagine there's no such thing as mosquitoes in Nevada. Yeah, because it's just there's nothing, shit. Yeah. If you bring somebody to. Um, where we live, and they're not adjusted to, to our climate. They will because I go nuts. I go nuts over black and flies. We've lived here for twenty six years. You know what? I th- it was such nice weather out the other day. I made a crucial mistake Uh-oh. in that I was like, you know what? I'm going to conserve a little bit of water in the house by just going out back in the woods and taking a leak. Mm-hmm. You know, going back oh, to the old way in the long grass. I went to long grass. Oh my god, I got about 30 bites, and all I could do was like, you know what, I'm trying to pee here, don't bite my penis. <laughs> not the wiener, not the wiener. Anything but that, bite my face, I don't care. It was so bad, I was in shorts and a short shirt. Well, remember, when, remember a few years ago when we were recording a video out back? Oh, yeah. It must have been, th- like... Okay, we'll put it in Fahrenheit. It's been two years since we did that. Really? Just over two years since we did that. It was probably about 90 degrees, close to 100, probably 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So about 35 degrees here. in my own sweat. You. (laughs) I never take my shirt off. And you did. And I had my shirt off because I, like we were in the shade at times and it was 100 degrees. It was unbearable. In the sun, we recorded at probably the worst. It was like noon. Yeah, I know. It was the worst time of day. Pure, you were in jeans, a long sleeve boots. dress shirt, boots. You're, I remember seeing sweat on your guitar. Like, <laughs> it was it was unbearable. Like We only wrote there was for a about point. 15 minutes, right? Oh, it was probably a little bit long. Well, no, we did three takes. We only three takes. Oh, we, like it was... Yeah, we... Holy... I had just showered before that. I was perfectly dry. Came back inside. I was like, I need to take another shower. Oh, it, the humidity must have been, what, 80, 90%? Oh, shit. It was crazy. It felt like a jungle. And because back behind your house, you have the long grass. It was just greenery and trees and oh, long grass. I think it was so hot, bugs weren't even out because they were like, fuck that. <laughs> it was like, a heat sink. The, you'd see a mosquito fly out into the sun and just go, poof, and, <laughs> and just explode. They are fucking vampires. They are the Grumpy Young Men, and you can listen to them whenever you want from their home site at gympodcast.blogspot.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and other places where podcasts are downloaded and streamed. Speaking of which, I've been trying out a new podcast app on my iPhone called Overcast. Maybe you want to check it out. I've been using the iTunes podcast app, which is okay, but it also sucks in some ways. One of the things I like about Overcast is that it takes those podcasts that come in a little low on the volume and pumps them up automatically. Since I listen to most of the podcasts I do when I'm hiking or running in the morning, I sometimes have trouble hearing those shows when they don't keep the volume up. Now, it could just be my heavy labored breathing (laughs) as I'm running, but either way, Overcast makes it a lot easier to hear the volume, which is great. This is not a commercial, by the way. They're not paying me to say anything, but if you'd like a little better, more consistent sound quality between podcasts, try Overcast. It's on the iTunes store. Uh, I see there is also an Overcast Android app, but it seems to be something other than what I'm talking about here. So not sure what that's about, but if you're on the iPhone, uh, try the app, see what you think, drop me a note. Uh, let me know how you like it. Um, I've been really kind of enjoying it. Got a request via Twitter to check out a podcast called Broken Filter, hosted by Rockstar Joe and Jonesy. 
I get the feeling after checking out their site that they frequently have guests, although I clipped a chunk out of a recent show that featured just the two hosts together. They actually do a live cast every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time from Port Chester, New York, via video on zentv.tv, then audio podcasted a little later. Now here's a piece from one of their regular features. Let's fire it up! Random thoughts! Let's get random. Jones, you Yo, never I tried, played the music bed. I tried getting this fantasy music, this dark fantasy music. Is yeah. that what you're looking for? No, I was looking for the Little John. But you know what? Play it now. Play the Little John right now. Do you have it? I don't think I don't think the mic is hot, Mike. For the for the uh... for the music. All right. Oh, not the end of the world. We will. Yes, it's hot. Let's do random thoughts with this. Oh, Jones, yeah? first time hearing this song. From the people that brought you turned down for what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're asking you to keep dreaming big and reaching for the stars. And also, and now, bend over and put your knees, touch your elbows. <laughs> Here's number one in our weekly countdown. Touch your elbows to your knees and shake it. Okay, I figured I like out it. my random thought. I didn't have one. I was going in blind. What's what your random thought? has become of music? Because I like this, but this is awful. Yeah. My random thought is, how bad's it going to get before we just implode? The music industry just implodes with the Beavers and the Nicki Minaj and the the Little John. Because I'm bumping this track. Well, my, my question is, like, what happens when Smokey Robinson hears something like this? Like, somebody who composed this amazing, soulful, real music that actually, like, moved people's souls and stuff, you know? <laughs> you know, like, the jazz greats. The, yeah. uh, what was it, like, Ella Fitzgerald was an old-school singer? I mean, yeah. She's turning over in her grave right now. Like, just like, oh, man, Little John. Or, like, like Ray or like, Charles, like a blind man who sat there, like, painstakingly sharpening his, his, his craft. These are know? all people that are dead, but even better, what about, like, Stevie Wonder? He's still one of the, the all-time greatest musicians to ever touch a piano. And then he hears, Let your knees touch your elbows! And he's like, ah, oh, make, it, make it stop, guys. Yeah. Make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Even even a lot of female singers, too. I mean, like, when you think about Diana Ross and Donna Summer and some of these people who... Some Donna? I mean, just like people from... Anyone from the Motown movement... You know, who, like, tried to create a lot of, like... And listen, I don't want to go down the racist road here. Or in any way prejudiced. But, like, you know, Motown was, like, a big deal for, for African-Americans. Yeah, you know? man. Like, it, it gave them a sense of pride. It gave them a sense of dignity. Like, soul, you know. So you're saying turn, get turned up and twerk doesn't bring a sense of... No, well... Pride. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just... I just think it's a very sad thing for them because... I feel like not only did they were they fulfilled by creating music, yeah. getting rich, but they were also I think a, a big part of it was moving moving the chains for their for their people. You yeah. Know? So you're saying that? Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think this does much to move the chains, Joe. No, this uh, all this does is get you to move your ass. Yeah, that thunder clap. <laughs> That's my thunder ass clap. Now, I see what you're saying. I think it's the whole music industry. It's not just hip hop. It's it's 
everything. I mean, rock starts to take a backseat at this point. It's rock music. You you hear the pop rock on yeah. the on the radio. You don't hear like uh, I was telling you about Alter Bridge. Uh, there's a band who who's been around for a while. They've got like a hard rock metal edge kind of feel. Yeah, great album they just came out with recently called Fortress. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic album. Haven't heard anything about it. Never see it in iTunes top fucking ten. Never, you know, you know, you got Nicki Minaj, Justin Bieber, Little John. Yes. Crap, 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 crap. Yeah. Those are a couple of lively guys with something to say. Remember that you can see them live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. East Coast time on ZenTV.tv or visit their home site, brokenfilter.net. If you're new to podcast land, you may not know that podcasting is truly an international phenomenon. And here at Succotash, we regularly feature shows from all over the place, including the U.S., Canada, Britain, Australia, and other places too. But I think this is the first time that we've gotten a slice of a show in from Finland, all thanks to the hosts, uh, Raphael and Artu, suggesting that we give their show a listen. Our man Tyson grabbed a chunk of W-A-N-H-T-P-Y. That's not a word. That's a, the, the initials from the beginning of their title, and that's how it's listed in iTunes. W-A-N-H-T-P-Y. It stands for We Are Not Here to Please You. <laughs> and that's a tough call. Which of those you're even going to remember? Uh, Raphael is German, R2 is Finnish, and their website says they decided to record a podcast, quote, just for the hell of it, unquote. Huh. I think that's pretty much everybody's story, actually. But these guys do it in Finland, so that's something different. Their guest this episode is J. Scott Peter, who has something to do with the video game business. Just having a zip of my beer. No, but now we can get into the show. This time we have a very special guest. I don't want to oversell him, but he might be the most iconic, most important person in the video game industry ever. With us today is Scott J. Peter. Say hello, Scott. Hello. Did I oversell yeah. it, or does that um, sound about right? A, a little bit, I would say. <laughs> yeah, today I'm, I'm not the most important, or actually never, but uh, it's, it's, it's good that you have such a high opinion of me. Absolutely. <laughs> And it's uh, and the name is almost correct. It's J. Scott Peter. I have three oh, first names. Uh, I always kind of turn that ones around. It's kind of like you know you have seventy five names, and they could be actually like your first names could be in either order. In many places, you have kind of like one is always the definite first name, and the second name sounds mm -hmm. like what you use as a second one. But in your case, it's kind of both way it works. Um, pretty much, which is why it's yeah totally confusing. So I get I get called all three names: John, Scott, Peter, and it's they're so boring. They're not like I don't know iconic or mythological names or anything. Yeah. So we're off to a great start <laughs> today with us. This guy who is actually called something else. Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's yeah. how professional we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I'm, so, I'm yeah. glad to yeah. I'm glad to be a part of it today. <laughs> so the bar, the bar <laughs> is set rather low. And we are glad to have you on our show. Oh, but yeah. how about you tell us only quickly who you are for people that don't know you, what I guess is pretty much most people of our audience? Probably not, except, yeah, we might have some uh, mutual friends yeah. who, who are listening to it. But no, um, I'm nobody. I'm a guy who lives in Germany. Um, I come from America, as you might guess from my accent, from uh, L.A. and San Francisco. Um, I lived in Germany for nine years, and um, 
I met you during that time and met a lot of people here and had fun and friends and stuff. And I work in the video game industry and as a programmer. So um, basically, um, I was doing that kind of work in California already, and I decided to move to Germany partially because there's a cool company here also who's doing that. And um, so you basically tr uh, took the opportunity like to work in the job that you like, plus checking out the new country. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Checking out. Europe, just how awesome it is, and lots of castles, and like uh, you know, legalized drinking in the streets, and no closing times <laughs> at uh, you know for bars, and and, and don't forget that prostitution is legal in Germany. I I don't forget that, and that's very important to me from a theoretical standpoint. Of course, I guess I yeah, I haven't really um, uh, tested that out yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the evening is still young. Who knows what happens That's after true. the show? Yeah, uh, yeah. Although I don't really want to go out in the street later because of you know the uh, the VM, the uh, World Cup thing. It's just really annoying. All those people out there. Well, especially in Frankfurt because Frankfurt, Germany has one of the highest kind of multicultural groups Definitely. in Germany. So you can't you can't tell who won just by listening to the honking because. It might not be Germany because whoever won, it could be you know Gambia or somebody, and there's still going to be people from there driving through the streets honking their horns, you know. Or even from the neighbor uh, apartments, people yelling at the goal. You still don't know who the fuck made the goal. Yep, exactly. <laughs> in so. in here, you can only tell when Finland plays ice hockey. Then you can hear <laughs> if Finland makes a goal. It doesn't matter what other sports you hear zero from any other apartment. That's yep. I can imagine that. It's pretty kind of monocultural. Absolutely. Although I guess you have some Swedish people there too. I don't know. Never seen <laughs> here one. <laughs> well, I guess you have your uh yeah, you can't really tell just by looking. I've really. seen IKEA commercials. <laughs> so you could actually like you could spend a whole night talking to someone and even, you know, go further and have in intimate contact with someone and never know if they are originally Swedish. Well, you would, know wow. you would know because why the Swedes go mostly for the same-sex stuff. Uh. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, of course. Well, that Did didn't you know? take long. <laughs> that's from Epi 35 of W-A-N-H-T-P-Y. Again, that's We Are Not Here to Please You. Uh, if you want a direct link to their home site and uh, save trying to remember how to type all that in, visit us at SuckAtashShow.com and click on the title of their show in this episode's blog. And now it's time for a word from our sponsor. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here with some timely fashion news. If you or someone you know is in imminent danger of being kidnapped, shanghaied, or abducted by aliens, Henderson's new Ransom Pants are just the right style statement you need to make to get yourself out of a sticky situation. Our research reveals that the number one complaint of abductees is not that they miss their loved ones and friends, but that it's always so darned uncomfortable. Well, not anymore. If and when you're taken, you'll appreciate the loose fit and padded seat of these handsome ransom pants. They'll bring you great comfort, no matter if you're trussed up in the back of a van, the trunk of a car, or the cargo hold of a hyperdimensional spacecraft. 
And there's more comfort waiting inside these pants. The roomy legs are lined with secret pockets. You can fill with energy bars and puzzle books to fill the idle time waiting to be rescued. And rescue won't be far away, thanks to the homing tracker built into the ransom pants waistband. Then, just in case no one cares enough about you to be following the tracker's signal and you're left to get yourself out of the mess you found yourself in, pay your own way. That's right, the ultimate secret of Henderson's ransom pants is that that comfortable seat you've been sitting on is padded with one million dollars in warm, comfy cash. Just drop trow, pay your kidnappers, and be on your way. Originally designed for Patty Hearst, enemies of La Cosa Nostra, as well as Barney and Betty Hill, Henderson's Ransom Pants, maybe just the ticket to get you an early release and back home in time for dinner. That's Henderson's, makers of fine pants parts since 1932. And now back to Succotash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. We are about to jump into my chat with the founders of The Speechless Show, an amazing and hilarious series of improvised PowerPoint presentations. But first, it's time to let Tweety fly free as we rip into this week's Tweet Sack. Now, I have been chittering with W. Kamau Bell, former host of the totally biased TV show that was first on FX and then killed off by being sent to the FXX graveyard. He's moved back to San Francisco from New York, and we are going to set up an interview, I think, for this next week, so that will be fun. I've also been treating tweets trying to set up an interview with Benjamin DeHaven, author of a hilariously weird new book called Confessions of a Self-Help Writer. The book's been getting some amazing play out there, so I thought it would be different and maybe a way for him to track down the subject of the book, this guy Michael Enzo, who's some kind of self-help ghostwriter who's also kind of an elusive shyster madman, I think. Someone else I've been trying to get in front of the mic for an interview, and we just keep missing each other, is Janet Varney, host of the JV Club over on the Nerdist Network. Tweeted out to her that Succotash will be on hand for the third annual L.A. Podcast Festival coming up at the end of September. And would that be a good time for an interview? She replied, yes, please, with an exclamation point. So let's assume that that's finally happening. I got a tweet from Lionheart, who used to host the Way Too Hip podcast, but he shut that down a couple years ago, took some time off, and is now back with the Big Cat Show. A week ago, he tweeted, Episode 3 is up on iTunes and thebigcatshow.com. Now, how many more do we have to get up before a Succotash Show feature? Hashtag impatient. Hashtag too old for this shit. (laughs) Soon, Big Cat. Soon. I promise. I've been getting a bunch of calls lately on the Succotash hotline, but no one is leaving messages. I think our number has been stuck into some robocallers list, but if it's not you, or if it is you, that's been trying to get through and our voicemail is not picking up, drop me a line at mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com, and let me know something's going screwy with it. I check it periodically, and it seems to be working fine, but it's the internet. You never know. Alrighty then, here's the list of some of the fine-feathered folks who've tweeted, retweeted, mentioned, DM'd, followed, or liked us on Facebook this past week. Kevin Peter Hickerson, The Wine Wankers, Weekly Geek Speak, Jim Leahy, AMP Network, A&R Lindsay W, Slevin, Buddha 937, Gina Beck, Sushant Misra, Donna Lo Cicero, Audio Boo US, Kickstart Celeb Farts, <laughs> Anastasia Sin, 
Ellen, Raphael Nowak, Christian Brun. Hey, that's the guy who plays Donnie, the clueless suburban husband on Orphan Black. Cool. He's following us. That's amazing. Christian Brun, welcome. Welcome to the, to the show. Maybe we'll get an interview with him. I love that show, Orphan Black. Uh, what a pair of trousers. Tony High, The Conrad and Jack Show, Phil Woods, Laura Saner, The Pot Mafia, Salty Language Podcast, Shaub Spear. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Strange Times, Dean Hagland, Ian Boothby, Travis Knight, Dave Nelson, Josh Stern, Christine Blackburn, Taylor Hendley, Rudy Reber, J.F. Harris, Taylor Steele, Todd Spence, Linda Wolf, Five Minute Away Podcast, who asked us to give a listen to their friend Ida's I Can't Help You Podcast. We'll do it. 4AM Cab, Dorktown Podcast, NDO Tech No, Bob Zaney, Probama, Aaron O'Connor, Curtis Steigers, John Dredge, Adder Radio, S. Anthony Thomas, Chris Wilding, Green Up, Adam Barker, Tiny Odd Conversations, Travis Clark, Matt and Corey Talk Too Much, Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks, Amish Baby Machine, Dead as Hell, and Beth. <laughs> There's the tweet sack for this epi. Mention at Succotash Show in your tweet or tweet to us directly with your questions, comments, and suggestions for comedy podcasts for us to feature on this show. I'll also read emails in the tweet sack section too, so you can send along notes, clips, and pics to mark at succotashshow.com. People keep saying how hard it is to spell succotash, so here it is. I will speak slowly. S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H. If you missed that, head down to the grocery store, hit the canned vegetable aisle, and buy a can of Del Monte Succotash, then just keep it handy near your listening device. Hi, this is Paul Mercurio from the Paul Mercurio Podcast. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast, podcast, podcast. Hosted by Mark Hershon, who, by the way, hosts it not wearing pants. I was hoping to get my three friends from the Speechless show into one room and do this with my regular recording equipment. But one of the guys is in New York right now working on a TV series and getting the New York debut for Speechless ready for August 25th. So I had to do a four-way Skype call to New York, Oakland, San Francisco, and here at the Nerd Nest in Marin County, California. Apologies for the quality, but we do what we can. If you hear some edits in this piece, those were strictly to get rid of some of the audio dropouts and pauses that sometimes happens on these internet calls. So I'll see you on the other side of this chat. For Succotash, it's a little unusual to have actually a three people on Skype, and we're going to really hope that this works because it's hard enough to get one interview on Skype that doesn't crap out at some point. Um, but these are three gentlemen associated with a show that has started in San Francisco. It's a stage show, uh, and it is beginning to spread, uh, as they say, like wildfire on the line uh, from various points around the United States. I have Sammy Wegent. Say hello, Sammy. Hi, how you doing? And Sammy, you are calling for, or you're on the line from San Francisco. I am. I and, am Skyping in from San Francisco. And uh, we have Scott Lifton. Scott, you are in Oakland, I believe. I am. Uh, so right over the bridge. Perfect. But all the way across the country, we have the, uh, the, uh, the third head of this monster that's created this fantastic show. 
uh, Anthony Veneziali. Am I pronouncing that right? I never use your last <laughs> name. I, I have no idea how to pronounce it. So I've never actually, I just call you AV. And you did a yeoman's job with it. It's Veneziali. Oh, see, I, I still screwed it up. But you are in New York at the moment. That is true. Uh, yes, I'm in New York City. Where uh, not only are you working on a production, which we will talk about in a moment, but uh, Speechless, which is the name of the show you three gentlemen are responsible for bringing together, is making its New York debut a little later this month. Absolutely. Yes, we'll be doing a show at Joe's Pub, which is in the much celebrated, beautiful theater of The Public in uh, sort of downtown slash, yeah, lower Manhattan. And that will be on August 25th. Is that correct? Correct. August 25th at 7.30 p.m. Meanwhile, back at their home base, San Francisco, the next Speechless show is actually coming up very soon. Um, and I believe it's uh, Wednesday, August 20th. 20th. And that happens yeah, at 7.30 p.m. Thanks, Oakland. <laughs> And that happens at the, pu- <laughs> the, the Public Works in downtown San Francisco. Um, if, if uh, First of all, just to kind of to let uh, the listeners know that if you uh, want more information about either of these shows, go to speechlesslive.com. And you can uh, not only find out about the shows, you can see some video of how Speechless works, which we're going to get into in a moment. And uh, you'll also be able to uh, get your tickets through the, that, that site. Hello? <laughs> well, we suddenly have a crowd, apparently. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Scott, are you to a boxing arena? I think he's watching soccer right now. Uh, boxing arena. I'm, I'm boxing just around arena. the corner from Madison Square. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, to get into this... Um, this idea of speechless let's let's talk about the concept of the show and i think sammy you should take this because it really is uh at its base your brainchild uh yeah so you know the the idea of speechless is giving improvised powerpoint presentations and that's a combination of a few things kind of like the aha moment that i had before i asked anthony and scott if they wanted to be a part of this crazy thing was i started to started to put together a few different ideas. One was I wanted to do a show that kind of satirized the Silicon Valley culture, you know, living in San Francisco and having done <coughs> corporate improv training and, and corporate comedy for a lot of companies out here. And then for the last three years, I've worked for a company called Zynga that makes, you know, mobile games. Uh, just kind of really being saturated by that world and, and, and really seeing a lot of bad PowerPoint and, and kind of like, faux TED Talks, people giving keynotes that were very uh, just over the top and, and almost comedy in themselves, I thought that, one, this could be kind of a uh, a medium to to put improvisation into and kind of play with. But also, I was, you know, like a lot of people looking on Facebook and seeing that a lot of comedy is strangely coming in meme form, which is basically like a little image with with words put over the top of it, you know, and it kind of looks like a slide from a PowerPoint presentation. And I thought, is there a way to kind of combine that with a live show? Because I don't know a lot of people these days that actually still go, uh, you know, frequently to live comedy. And so I just thought that at the heart of it, there were a few things going on. Can we make a show that pokes fun of this world that we geographically are kind of close to, uh, two, can a show feel as, you know, 
interactive as our mobile devices do because one i work in a gaming company and i think about that about how to gamify everything anyway but you know people are, are just not really that uh i guess they're not really that seduced by going to live theater anymore we can watch everything on our phones and you know we have smart tvs and i just don't know a lot of people that are really excited to go to a live show these days even though clearly a lot of people still do and three can we put improvisation into I don't know, the Web 2.0 world. Uh, a lot of shows that I had researched before had been kind of poking fun at the TED Talk type format, but they were all scripted and they were all really great satires of that type of presentation. But I thought that there was uh, something to the idea of people improvising presentations they had never seen before. I thought, one, it was a great way to get a lot of content out of you know, not a lot of rehearsal and writing, clearly, because it's improvised. And, and it would also be a great format to pit people against each other from both sides of the fence. I thought what what I really wanted to see more than anything was, can a comedian pretend to sound like a person who works at a, you know, a company and do kind of a, you know, quarterly report of some big company they've never heard of? And can a person who works at a company like that actually entertain a crowd for five or ten minutes. So putting those people kind of on the, the same level playing field, as we say, entrepreneurs, entertainers, and audience members, because we actually take a volunteer up as well, I just thought that was a you know a fun a fun gumbo, you know, a recipe of throwing all those elements together. And so after I kind of thought through a little bit of what I just explained, I went to Anthony uh, because I thought he'd be a great person to shape the concept with. And Anthony said that this this guy, Scott Lifton, was an amazing producer, a great friend of his. I had not met Scott before. And so the three of us started shaping this thing together. And, you know, we've been doing it for oh, about a year and a half now. And it's it keeps, I think, every time we do it getting better and better. And it's just been fun to see it kind of go from the initial idea that I pitched to Anthony to what it is now. And uh, the answer to all of the six questions you just asked yourself uh, was yes. Uh, it's uh, all those things you brought up. It all works uh, amazingly well. And as you say, uh, you know, I've I've been involved sort of since you got started, and it's just amazing to watch the show not just pick up speed, but it uh, it actually gets more and more sort of. Uh, cohesive, put together, and actually funnier as you go. Let's uh, for for listeners of Succotash, by the way, uh, Sammy was my guest on episode thirty-five when we were talking about his video series uh, on YouTube. Uh, every everyone's everybody's a comedian, but uh, the other two gentlemen, Scott and Anthony, are new to my listeners. So let's find out a little bit about them. So Anthony, you were contacted by Sammy, and uh, you've got quite a lot of both production and performance under your belt, so maybe you can give our listeners just a little bit of a, uh, a thumbnail of uh, sort of your, your background. Great, yeah. Um, so I started uh, producing in New York City. I, I had a theater company here. We did a musical called In the Heights, which uh, went to Broadway and won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2008. Um, and I sort of spend, split my time between New York and San Francisco. I also relaunched a show called The Electric Company on PBS uh, in 2009, um, and it still runs to this day on PBS, uh, and I'm also on the show. Um, I have another show called uh, Freestyle Love Supreme, which is an improvised freestyle rap concert, and that's what I'm doing in New York right now. I'm actually taping a television version of that for a new network called Pivot, um, and I'm doing, uh, two a days <laughs> right now. Yeah. So I just got done doing two live tapings and they each last four hours. So I was just on stage for eight hours in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> 
So forgive me if I'm a little bit hoarse and tired. Wow. Well, I appreciate you staying up late to talk to us. So, so what was your thought when, when uh, Sammy came to you with this idea for, at the time, didn't even have a title? Uh, yeah. So, so Sammy um, was like, hey, I think I have a good idea. Why don't you come down to Zynga one day? Oh, yeah, I'm working at Zynga. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, um, and, and so we met up and he, we were kind of like in the like cush lobby of Zynga, which is in this beautiful building uh, in downtown San Francisco right off of Townsend Street. And he was like, yeah. Anyway, I have this idea about people sort of competing and battling over PowerPoint presentations. And I was like, oh, Sammy, this is so good. <laughs> and he was like, you know, and I, I wanted to reach out to you because, you know, Sammy and I had done a bunch of shows together with he has an improv group and I had an improv group in San Francisco for a long time. And we would always just do shows together. And I mean, it's one of those things when you get to do improv with people, you kind of start developing these improv crushes and uh <laughs> And I kind of, you know, had a big improv crush on Sammy for a long time. And, uh, and so when he was like, do you want to work on this? And I was just like, I mean, it, you me that it was like, you know, you had an idea about playing the accordion on stage. And I would have said yes. Um, but it was, it happened to be this idea and, and we sort of, you know, needed to, to get a good audience in there. And I was like, well, the best producer that I know in San Francisco is this dear, wonderful friend of mine named Scott Lifton. And he produces a show called Mortified uh, in San Francisco. So might be a nice time to pass it over to him, Mark. Uh, yeah, Scott, let's uh, let's meet uh, you as far as my listeners are concerned. And uh, yeah, Mortified certainly has a, a heck of a reputation. And you've been uh, running the, the show in, in this part of the country. So uh, you got involved. And again, how about a, just a little bit of a, a thumbnail background for, for our listeners? Sure. Uh, I think my background is, well, it's twofold. I mean, there's one I've been producing Mortified for eight and a half years in the Bay Area. It's in nine different cities. Uh, we've had some books. We have a documentary now called Mortified Nation that you can see. Uh, essentially a show where people share their actual empathetic and embarrassing teen diaries, bad poems, bad love songs, bad rap songs, anything created before the age of 19. Uh, and so that's been going really well. And I met Anthony because he was doing his uh, improvisational freestyle rap as part of our house band. Uh, I also work in the world of corporate team building. So I'm often found in Silicon Valley uh, making people from various tech companies do ridiculous activities, game shows, scavenger hunts, and whatnot. So obviously when I uh, first heard about this concept, I could kind of see the values uh, from both angles. Now, when, when you guys first um, started to put this together, it was uh, really, let's, let's put this up and see if anybody's even going to respond to it, right? And Sam, I guess you can t kind of take it at that point, but feel free to toss this back and forth. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you know this all too well, Mark. All of us do, really. But, you know, this game that we're playing up there, this format is kind of the real-world Web 2.0 version of a really old improv game called Slideshow, where someone just stands up there and, you know, explains, obviously, a slideshow that's kind of acted out by actors who are kind of freezing in different poses, uh, and that, for years, has always been one of my favorite games. And uh, I've always done stand-up comedy and you know improv. And I, I didn't know what to think of what the show was going to be. I, I had heard about you know different companies and business and tech conferences having some kind of like PowerPoint karaoke thing that happens after hours. And, and Battle Decks was a, a competitive version of that. And so I had found like weird YouTube videos of people doing that. I don't know when they happened or if this thing's happening, you know, often anywhere else. But I knew that that was pretty entertaining with just people who were not trained performers. So I thought the idea of having 
actual professional comedians, improvisers, actors mixed in with people, you know, more from the corporate sector would actually be pretty entertaining. Um, I just didn't know, like you said, if anybody would show up. And the thing about the the first show and the first few shows, which was very very new experience for me. I mean, you know, living in San Francisco and and traveling all over the country doing shows in in major cities. It's always it's always a little bit of a you know struggle to get people to show up for something that doesn't quite have a reputation yet, or there's not a name in it, or whatever. And we were turning people away for uh, you know at the door for the first show, um, and I didn't quite understand <laughs> what was going on because I didn't know if people actually knew what they were there to see. I was like, why <laughs> why are so many people so excited about a thing that we the creators and producers don't even know what it quite is? Now, uh, and, Anthony and Scott, as, as seasoned producers, uh, not that Sammy hasn't produced shows himself, but you guys clearly have a little bit more experience. What was the, what was it like for you to see the, the turnout like out of the gate for this thing? And it's funny, it was right around that time that like I remember you were there as well, and we kind of did a couple shows at Z Below, and um, and and Sammy was like, "Okay, guys, my friend Mark, he's he's gonna like." a great addition to this team and we're like oh my gosh how great is it that we have like a tech and a tech savvy and an intelligent person to be a part of this and i think you were in the booth with me and it was like only maybe the second show or something like that and literally there was people out the door waiting lines and lines and we were all like uh okay i guess this is (laughs) gonna be a very popular show and that first slide came up after we set up the whole thing and sammy did a great introduction and the audience just lost it like and we were all like Okay, I think the show. I think we've got something here, <laughs> Scott. What and was it that? was like, yeah, Scott. What was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I always had faith in the show. I, I knew from when they first told me there was no question that that was a great idea and that people would flock to it. That being said, I hadn't really seen it in practice. And like they said, when the first show came on, and I didn't, I didn't realize until that point that the slides were just as much a character of the show as the performers were, uh, such a presence and friends of mine that were, were laughing and, and crying in the audience, crying with laughter, of course, uh, until the end. And, and I realized uh, that we had something amazing going on. Yeah, let's talk a minute about the slides that are used, because we've just sort of talked about this being a PowerPoint show. But uh, like you say, Scott, the, the slides really are a personality unto themselves in, in terms of the show. And they've been changing uh, as the show has been evolving as well. But in general, how would each of you guys sort of explain what's going on on the screen uh, apart from how they're being described or being incorporated by the performers or presenters themselves? So Sammy, what's your take on what's happening up there visually? I mean, the slides are a a mixture of things that you would see in a real PowerPoint presentation. We actually encourage people to submit slides to us from actual decks they've used at work and at their companies. But they're also a mixture of weird things that, you know, are ridiculous like Photoshopped images and just silly, funny pictures. But, yeah, it's just – I like to – I always like to call this show kind of like um, creative muscle confusion, you know. Because none of the slides we put together, the decks, none of them are actually supposed to go together in any way. So they're all non sequiturs. It can jump from a really, you know, dry uh, pie chart to, you know, a picture of, you know, a professional wrestler or something. Like it just jumps around. So it's just, it's really kind of a free for all, which is what makes the show so fun to watch because really, at the heart of it, it's it's still about good storytelling, no matter how good the or how crazy and funny the slides are. Really, the art of it and the kind of creative challenge for the presenters is: can they weave all those non sequitur 
images together and tell a, a beginning, middle, end story and presentation and, and entertain the audience and make them laugh. So, I mean, it, it's fun putting the, the decks together, but it's it's funny how they've evolved in terms of how how much we actually think about what we're putting into them because, you know, each one of us has our own little formula and, and now we've had other people help us, yourself included. We all have things that we think work and don't work and I just like seeing what people like throwing into them. Yeah, now Anthony, you've uh, you've put together sort of the major upfront slides that people see as they're coming into the house and whatnot. So you've got a little bit more of a relationship with the slides and how they kind of work together. What's your take on 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 the imagery that's in this show? Yeah, I think I think like Sammy's saying, it's really important to have some sort of a balance. I also find that for the decks that people are presenting, I try to do like almost a hidden theme that if they're able to kind of tap into it, it might just sort of release this vein of gold. Um, we've had a couple of presenters where as they're going, they whether they know or not that this sort of theme exists, it kind of just opens up and it feels a little bit like a magic show. Like, all of a sudden, this concept that they're starting to forward is actually being supported by the unseen slide that comes up next. And, um, and there's something really fun about that, I find. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, like, it's a really, really way deep Easter egg. It's not, I don't think anyone has ever <laughs> noticed that. Um, but, for example, like, um, I'll do, like, a theme of hair in one set of slides. Or I'll do a theme of body parts. Or it'll be a theme about um, downward trending markets or, uh-huh. you know. And so it's, it, it's pretty specific. <laughs> and, and that I've, sort no, of, I have not caught that one before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's um, hidden. It's, it's hidden like the Mickey Mouses in Disneyland that you can't find them all. Well, or, the, the, the funny thing yeah. is for, for people that are at the show, if, if you want to see whether, just how well these work, and it's got to ask you about your impression about the slides as well, but all you have to do is find the producers in the corner, and when some presenter gets on a, on a tear about something, and the slides are really working, and by, when I say that, I mean just they just seem to be – in a, in a perfect order, even though there's no real sense to it, you can see the look on your guys's face of almost amazement and delight that some presenter has kind of stumbled onto this this beat. You know, yeah, and yeah. I think it's important, uh, like you said, Mark, for people to understand that who haven't seen the show, and even people that have seen the show, because I don't know how people are really perceiving it, is that we just throw these decks together randomly willy-nilly before the show and then we just put them in no order whatsoever in terms of lining them up with the people that are getting up there and we're not we're not changing any of the images as they go you know so whatever the deck is we put together the the week of the show it just goes you know from you know one to to slide number eight or whatever and we don't change it we're not over there trying to adapt to whatever the person's talking about. So that's the fun of it. Can they, like Anthony said, kind of hit that, hit that little secret, secret level of what's going on, kind of almost like the, the subtitles of what's happening, the subtext. Yeah. And the one element we kind of haven't, haven't punched up yet is this idea that in addition to the slides being this sort of random collection of images is this, the, the spinning wheel that we've got at the top of the show or that you guys put at the top of the show and before each performer goes that has a selection of topics that they will be speaking on. And that is completely random as well. So nobody knows where each presentation <laughs> is going to go from presenter to presenter. Scott, I, I didn't get a chance to get to you yet about, about the visuals of the slides. But why don't you talk about that and that in combination with this, this wheel of, of death, if you will. <laughs> of course. Uh I, I do find that making the uh, the slides has been a very educational experience. 
uh, you know, at first it would just be the most random thought I could find in my head. I'd say, uh, oh, I haven't seen Evil Knievel for a while. Let me grab an image of him. Or what? <laughs> Did or, you go to high school with him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just it's a real exercise in going into the most random corners of my brain and coming up with ideas or concepts and, of course, finding it on the Internet, which, of course, you can find. Uh, so, yeah, I put an idea. Oh, this week, how about a dog with an M16? Great. And, of course, you can find these images. Um, <laughs> And so, obviously... <laughs> yeah, for the holiday know. show, I remember <laughs> I remember looking up Snowman Suicide and literally seeing so many images that I, weren't, I wasn't happy with. <laughs> it was like, no, no, I must find the perfect Snowman Suicide. Yeah, I remember one month I was really trying hard to find creepy Ronald McDonald photos, uh, which there are a plethora of, of course. Uh, and then you find, after you've been doing the show for a year and a half, that it starts getting really hard to tap into uh, the, those random concepts that you have not used yet. It's, it's an actual, it's, it's a, a brain exercise for sure. Um, you know, and then of course, over this period of time, we obviously were trying to set up random photos to challenge them for, for an organized kind of chaos. But, you know, we don't want to set them up. We want to give them the opportunity for success. And we've learned certain slides that just definitely don't help them. You know, very busy slides, slides with a lot of words mm-hmm. that uh, is so specific that it cannot be left open to their imagination, that they can't try to weave it into whatever their talk is. So, uh, again, it's been educational in terms of what works, what doesn't work, and, and how to find things that are really obscure still after a year and a half. So one of the uh, a couple of things that kind of struck a chord of uh, um, imminent success for this show, and you guys are still growing, still building. The show is really kind of once a month. Now there's a New York show, and we'll get into the whole sort of corporate landscape in a moment. But is the idea that early on you guys got into both the San Francisco Improv Festival last year, and then the uh, the Sketch Fest, which is an even bigger show. It's been going on for. 13 years now. Um, and I think that created even more visibility at a very early stage for what this show is. Did you guys notice kind of a bump from either or both of those appearances in terms of the shows that then followed? Hmm. I think it's just been a, a, a ball that's just been picking up energy the more that it rolls. I think those all definitely helped and it's just been picking up more momentum based on every show that builds on is every corporate event, every festival, um, a lot of momentum, especially considering it's been in a year and a half and, and building up comedy shows in the Bay area, building up solid audiences is, is actually very tricky. It's, uh, the comedy scene uh, out here is difficult to build up large audiences. So, yeah. Um, now, yeah. now, Sammy, I know that one of the things you talked about early on in the process of thinking about this show, and it was kind of, I don't know, I always kind of regard as being, you know, sort of an I wish sort of thing that this would then lend itself to some sort of corporate application. And uh, I think we've been seeing over the course of the, particularly the last six months, that it's really struck a chord, uh, particularly starting in sort of the Silicon Valley companies, which is really where the idea was born, if you will. But now you guys are really starting to get some response from all around the country at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I have talked to all three of you about multiple times, I mean, when I came up with this seed of an idea, it was, like I said, me at a particular crossroads as a performer, producer, and also an instructor. I've always uh, helped, if not completely paid my bills, teaching, acting, and comedy, improv, writing classes, 
And for a long time, that's been uh, you know a big part of of my income and, and how I kind of pay the bills. And a lot of that is uh, you know applying improvisation techniques and fundamentals to companies to teach them how to be more creative, think faster on their feet, and all that. And I just looked at you know what I thought speechless could be. Um, you know, and we've been fleshing it out for over a year now. But in the beginning, even even when we didn't know if it was going to work or not, I knew that it would not only be a show but also a great thing. Uh, to help people actually be a better presenter and a better public speaker, and that's what's cool about the show is it's it's two birds with one stone. Like you can get up there and actually do a performance, and at the same time, that's you flexing your muscles and taking risks as a presenter. So, from watching a bunch of bad PowerPoint and wanting to satirize that culture, speechless in a lot of respects is hopefully going <laughs> to you know help presentations get better you know at least add a lot of humor to them but the application of you know not thinking so much up there and not scripting everything out and trying to make your slides tell a story and make them be a little bit more eye-catching and not so driven by data and trying to wrap humor and story into whatever whatever you're trying to do in your presentation is uh, is a really big deal and a lot of people don't really have the time to do that or don't really know the best way to apply a lot of those concepts to their presentations and and that's where i think speechless is really hitting hitting a chord and hitting its stride out here in silicon valley is a lot of companies are obviously seeing that we have a philosophy being creatives you know we're actors writers producers directors whatever you want to call us like we come from the other side of the fence and we we know what a performance should be and we and that's our philosophy you know as as trainers with our training system you know as opposed to the show itself is that we see everybody as performers, you know. When you get up on stage at a conference, even if it's the driest, most boring business conference of all time, if you're on a stage in front of people, that's a show, that's a performance. And even if you're just in a small meeting and you're just pitching people, like if you're a venture capitalist sitting there watching some guy pitch a startup, that's kind of a little show. And so I think that there's a lot of applications, obviously, to what we're doing to all kinds of different companies and we just actually had our first foray into a you know non Bay Area and Silicon Valley type company uh, this past week, where Scott and I actually went to Benville, Arkansas, to Walmart's international head office, and uh, it was a really wonderful experience, you know. And it was a it was another great confirmation that what we're doing applies to just about any place in terms of people getting better at public speaking, but also making fun of all the tropes that come with different types of talks, whether that be a boring quarterly report or a TED talk or a wedding toast or a sermon or a eulogy. Like you said, with the randomizer wheel, we can put anything on there. And so we're not just skewering a very pigeonholed part of public speaking. It's really just anything that's people getting up in front of people. And uh, that's really resonating with the clients that we've had so far, and it's great because you know we're I think we're doing something that's actually uh, very necessary and, and needed with these particular types of companies. But we're also making it fun because I've I've found a lot of the improv team building that I've been a part of over the years didn't really have a one to one application, and even as I tried to think of what people could do to actually apply a lot of these things. It was a stretch for myself, and so I think that's for you know a big part of how speechless came to be because I thought 
Well, this is their natural habitat. What they're usually doing when you look at something as a performance in the business world is pre- presenting, you know, or pitching. Mm-hmm. And why not just teach them how to do that? But also, why not turn that into the show and make fun of that? There's plenty to go off of. Sure. Now, uh, Scott, so, Scott is a as uh, a veteran team builder. How how have you been seeing this develop amongst the this corporate audience? Uh, is it different than most of the things you've done before? Yeah, I would say most of the things that I do team building wise are more based on the concept of just getting people out of their office that never leave the office to go outdoors and just literally have fun just to be like a child to let your inner child, you know, kind of fly free. Um, you know, this, uh, I think, at, you know, at first, I think when I was joining on with this, I thought the corporate idea would just be that the companies get to kind of make fun of themselves essentially and kind of satire what they do in a very playful way. But the more that it's branched out and, and the scope is broadened, and, and uh, like Sammy said, it's actually even has to do more with teaching public speaking and, and, and all the tropes, all the different types of talks that you do and kind of like a, a study of that in a certain way. And so um, it's been fascinating. I, I just uh, got to see my first of uh, the corporate team building, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's my second one of the corporate team building events, and uh, seeing all the concepts that go inside of a of them just having fun together, and then loosening up uh, and building camaraderie that way, but also learning and working on their on their speaking skills, and also uh, playing and having fun. It's kind of everything rolled into one. Um, so I think it's super effective, and it seems to be um, resonating with all the companies that we've been doing it with. Anthony, where do you see uh, speechless sort of growing into as sort of the next uh, phases begin to uh, emerge? I mean, like like we said earlier, there's a first show in uh, New York, public show in New York. There's these uh, corporate gigs that are beginning to pop up in different areas around the country. What what what's hap- What's going to happen as this unfolds even more? Do you think? Yeah, I would definitely love to see us uh, branch out and have regular shows in New York, Los Angeles, as you know, well as San Francisco, our home base. Um, and then, you know, seeing if it's viable in those cities, if we can branch out from there, um, and then continuing to groom people to teach in sort of what we think of as the speechless improv thinking technique that we've been going through. Um, so yeah, I would say we just did a big training uh, a couple weeks ago for about eight new teachers, um, because it seems a lot like almost like how an ad agency has clients and then they have different sort of departments uh, take those clients and, and be like, oh, okay, cool, I'll have the Google clients. And then you guys over there, you'll be dealing with Salesforce. And somebody over here, they'll be the team that deals with, you know, um, Genentech. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Speechless have almost like, um, you know, not embedded, but this sort of, relationship with a lot of these big companies um, so that we can make them have these just great presentations and great videos. There's such a huge need for good presentations out there because a lot of people's jobs now depend upon them being able to actually make convincing presentations and good videos. So how do you get good at that? Like Sammy said, you have to treat these people as if they are performers because they probably have never thought of themselves as performers before. Most of these people do coding. Most of these people are in development or user experience. And so when you say to them, hey, you're an actor, you have to look at the script as an actor would and break it apart by beat by beat 
find the beginning and the middle and the end and what your emotional attachment is to each of those moments. It, it's this great sort of like dawning that they go through and then we can sort of follow up and have one-on-one sessions and, um, you know, hopefully make the, all of the boats um, on a higher level of the water for that company. Yeah. Hey, Sammy, do you think this will eventually be something that also be offered uh, on an educational level in schools? Because, I mean, PowerPoint is no longer limited to just the – the high, the boardroom and the the uh, the meeting rooms and whatnot, but you know, kids in school are now using PowerPoint to give reports and things like that, and so they're facing the same challenges as you know their their business counterparts or even their you might think of their parents. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing is like when I when I started seeing with the Scott and, and Anthony and even yourself the the potential and application of this thing. I mean, public speaking is everywhere, so speechless can kind of be anywhere it is, uh, which is really funny because I've had people contact me since we've gotten some local press that are in industries and in areas that I never would have thought would want to hire us. You know, like a guy that's like a, you know, he produces beer festivals and conferences. He was like, I'd love speechless to come around the country and do these beer festivals. <laughs> like what? How, why, why is there the PowerPoint in a beer that? festival? Yeah. When did those I start? I'd like to know when those beer, why did the beer guys sound like, <laughs> why did he kind of sound like a, <laughs> Why did he sound like a bad impression of Rolf? Uh, hey, I want you to come around here to the beer festivals. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually, exactly. uh, we, we did a gig in Seattle and I had a meeting with um, a friend of a friend who, you know, this person, you know, introduced us because of this very reason. And she's very uh, ingrained in kind of like college activities. And, and I was giving her a little bit of a pitch and also asking for advice. I'm very interested in, in developing uh, kind of, speechless on campus experience because I think there's a huge application to what we're doing training wise but also I mean speechless the great thing about what we're doing it starts with the show so we can kind of put our money where our mouth is there's a lot of people out there who think those that can't teach but speechless is a, a very different animal because it starts with the show and that's why we want to bring it to different cities and kind of set up shop because then you can come see us do it. Most of the people who are in the show are people that we would bring to special performances at companies and conferences. And then a lot of those people, like Anthony said, will eventually be people that are instructors because uh, we want to use the people who are best at doing this, the show format as the people that we're going to use as trainers. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, doing it at colleges is is really kind of uh, the next phase or, or a couple phases down the line. We've already done a couple, but in terms of like really going for that, I think there's huge potential. It's just a matter of you know just just making sure everything that we're doing already uh, you know is 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 going well. I mean, the show itself on a monthly basis is a beast in itself, but we do want to try to like Scott and Anthony have said, set up in other cities and every place that we can kind of plant the flag we can you know attract new clients whether they be corporate or college and uh yeah i think that we just you know just take it as it comes i think there's huge potential for for the show and the training uh because of how many different places it fits even at strangely rolf's beer festivals (laughs) um so it's just a matter of just a matter of not biting off more than we can chew because right now it really is a mostly a three-man team and we do need more people to make this work and none of us have you know it's not like anyone's quitting their jobs yet i haven't quit mine i don't intend to i really enjoy my job but at the same time speechless is uh it's like a weird snowball it's uh i never in a million years thought that after a year and a half that 
I would have gone to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and then the next day flown to Walmart's international <laughs> office. And I, <laughs> I still don't understand why they brought us to either of those places, but I'm very, I'm very happy that they did. It was a great experience, and hopefully that will become more of the norm, but we got to figure out how to organically scale this thing out. What do you think the, the element is that I call sort of the contagious effect? Because there are people that have been the audience volunteers at shows, and uh, this has happened more than once where they get up and, you know, the, these shows, the public shows are judged by a, a panel of three judges, two, two that are set and one from the audience, and several times the audience member has been the winner. Uh, you know, beating four fairly tried and true performers. And then those people that have won, or even whether they have won or not, they, they keep wanting to come back and performing. And the people that have been winners keep coming back to keep performing. Uh, and it, there's definitely this, this, fact, this thing where it seems like they're getting infected with this spirit of wanting to do these presentations uh, as a performer myself, I know there's this idea that you want to get stage time, you want to perform, you want to get better and better. Is that part of it, or is there something else going on? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just say really quickly, and guys, if you have an opinion on this too, I, I, that's I think that's another little you know secret sauce to this show is that it's in the natural habitat. The majority. Now, I wouldn't say the majority of people are professional entertainers. You know, obviously the the four of us know a lot of those people. We are those people, but the majority of people are not. The majority of people have you know regular jobs in quotes, and they go to work, and they sometimes have to sit through presentations. And they sometimes have to give them, and so the show is more on their home turf. And I think that's the one of the many, many intriguing and interesting elements of the show, which doesn't mean that it always goes well, well, but they come in and they have a little bit of confidence about where the show is set and who it's on their terms a little bit more than a, the usual improv show that needs a volunteer. Usually when you ask for a volunteer at an improv show, no one wants to participate. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really... That's really the difference is this show is more on their terms. It's, it's the majority of people are more familiar with the concept of what we're doing in this show than they would be with other types of interactive comedy and improvisational theater. And I think we've talked about this, and I know Sammy's mentioned this in the past, there's a bit of an adrenaline rush by going up there and doing that, and I'm certain that can be very addictive. I think it also looks a bit like karaoke to people. There's a microphone, there's a screen, there's something on that screen. Uh, and so I think people feel a draw towards that as well, that, hey, uh, this is, I'm a performer with, with some assistance here. It's not just me trying to get yeah. laughs on my own. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think, you know, one of the original forms of kind of what we're doing, you know, has been done for a while. I mean, Speechless is its own show, and we've definitely involved it and put our own put our own uh, uh, you know stamps on it. But you know, bare bones, what people have been calling this whole idea is powerful karaoke for a while. And yeah, I think I think that's that, that's the interesting thing about PowerPoint presentations in the real world is that they are looked at, you know, unfortunately as a crutch, and so 
while that could hinder some person's actual presentation at work, it's what actually makes people feel like they have a little bit more confidence and a little bit more on their side when they do speechless because they look up there and they go, well, there's going to be something up there for me to go off of. I don't have to go up there and just make something up for 10 minutes. Like there's going to be something even though I don't know what it is. And, you know, that's that's strangely kind of comforting, I guess, for people that th- think they're going to be put on the spot at a usual improv show. What would you tell people that uh, once they sort of, if they've seen the show, if they're going to see the show, if they go to the website and check out the video uh, and get kind of a feel for this, what what is what do you encourage them to do to either get more involved? I mean, obviously come see the show if you haven't seen it, but... Um, if there's a, you know, a company out there and they're not near San Francisco, you went, went to Walmart in Arkansas, for instance, how, how do they get a hold of you? Well, they can just go, go to info or go to speechlesslive.com, our website, and they can email us at info at speechlesslive.com. And they can send us any information they want about their company or what kind of event they're doing. We started, like you said, branching out to different cities. We actually uh, are going to start branching out internationally pretty soon. There's a particular client of ours that wants to bring us to one of their international offices. So we're looking to getting, you know, getting into the the place where we can go just about anywhere or we could have people come to us. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're very interested in doing whatever we uh, feel, feel like is, is best for that particular fit. You know, we do the show at conferences and at companies and we also do the training, as Anthony said, we do improv thinking as our version of kind of the improv team building workshops. And then we do the speechless going public program as our public speaking and presenting training. And, uh, yeah, we're very excited about doing it for, you know, anyone that's interested. And, and like you said, we're, we're starting to go other places. So all they really have to do is just email us and, and let's figure out if we can make it a fit. Cool. Anthony, yeah. any closing thoughts? Yeah. The other part too, there is, uh, you know, Sammy and and we keep trying to find ways to um, expand the audience participation. And so uh, in our live show, people can can literally send us decks. They can send us images. They can send us things that they think would be funny for someone to have to talk about in a PowerPoint presentation. And we will then incorporate that into our next live show. So send us pictures. Um, we, we also have a Twitter handle. And um, and we have you know a pretty beefy uh, blogging and Twitter presence uh, that that we just find like interesting stuff and we want to put it out there in the world. So um, especially in that sort of soft spot of tech meeting comedy, that's sort of where we think maybe this this need was uh, was the greatest, and we're trying to to fill that vacuum. Cool, Scott. Anything uh, to add? Uh, no, I um, well, I think I think. It's really interesting. I think this show um, has really become obviously an interesting study on, on technology and what our relationship is to technology at this point. Um, and although that's actually you know how it started and, and something that we play around with, I'm finding more and more it's kind of about the opposite. It's it's like uh, Sammy was mentioning about his corporate events that most of these people they deal with have their heads buried in computers and in laptops. So in that point, I feel like more, maybe more, it celebrates the the human contact part of technology. That was very profound. It was. I loved that. It was. I, I never thought our drunk PowerPoint show would be so profound. But thank you, Scott. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Rolf just emailed me. We're in for the uh, the beer festival. Sweet. Great. Okay, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, look forward to the next uh, speechless show. I'm working on my next deck. Uh, well, not while we speak because I'm doing this interview, but I will be soon. 
Always working on your decks late at night, Mark. Well, that's why my wife stays with me. You got uh, a huge deck <laughs> over there. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. Well, thanks, Mark. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks Mark. Mark. All right, guys. Have a good night. Yep. All right. Bye. Cheers. I want to thank those guys for helping me to coordinate a time for all of us to talk together. I'm going to put up the current sizzle reel of the Speechless Show up at SuccotashShow.com. So you can go take a look, uh, check it out. If you want more information on upcoming shows, or if you think that your company might like to see some of the most unique corporate training and team building that I certainly have ever seen, and I have seen and done a lot myself, visit SpeechlessLive.com. We get out of here now on the wings of Durst. In this, our second burst of Durst, Will lays into the House of Representatives for the wacky plan by John Boehner to sue White House resident Obama. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the House of Representatives voting to give John Boehner the authority to sue the President of the United States. On one hand, it's a brilliant tactical move. Nobody can call them a do-nothing Congress anymore. Do nothing? What are you talking about? We sued the president. And they did it right before going home for a five-week summer recess where they'll engage in the really important business of representing this country, which is meeting with constituents and squeezing money out of them for the next election. The excuse given for the lawsuit is Obama illegally delayed the implementation of Obamacare. Seriously, the very same Obamacare the speaker and his buddies tried to scuttle over half a hundred times. Well, they have to do something. They can't try to repeal Obamacare anymore. Turns out people like it. Even the Tea Party has moved on, which is like saying the train fell over. But suing the president is crazy talk. Boehner must have contracted heat prostration while working on his tan. What's next? He get to sue Sarah Palin for being overly reluctant to say ridiculous things? Take Mitt Romney to court for dominating the headlines since 2012? Charge the Supreme Court for voting along party lines too often? There are so many things wrong with this move. You need a rubber spreadsheet to work it all out. For one thing, by suing the chief executive, you're not just opening any box of worms. You're opening Pandora's box of worms. Worms with Greek teeth and venomous stingers. This is a template to screw things up for the history of eternity. And then again, if this case crawls along at the average speed of your normal federal lawsuit, we can't expect it to reach court until much, much later. Like the middle of Hillary Clinton's second term. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. There's more Durst to be had at WillDurst.com. He also tweets at Will Durst on Twitter, and you can like him on Facebook as well. Remember to keep your eyes open for Three Still Standing, the documentary detailing the comedy careers of Will, Johnny Steele, and Larry Bubbles Brown, a former guest on this show, alongside the San Francisco comedy scene from the 1980s through present day. And you know what? I'm in there a little bit, too. I think with that, Succotash continues to be a podcast that you cannot ever hope will run out in just one hour anymore. <laughs> you can't say we don't give you your money's worth, that's for sure. And it's, uh, that's going to do it, though, for Epi 92. Thanks for listening. Now, coming up in Epi 93 will be my interview with comic magician and wild man, the amazing Jonathan. You won't want to miss it. But until then, please remember to pass the Succotash.
You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at MA at SuccotashShow.com or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number 818-921-7212 Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotage. Goodbye. Hey, Larry Brown here, and I'm listening to the comedy podcast. Suck it. I'm listening. Succotash the comedy podcast. Let's start that again.